Just like carnival, intense rainfall has become a trademark of summertime in Brazil, and as a result, so have floods, landslides, and urban chaos. In 2020, the state of Minas Gerais was the first to experience problems with extreme weather. Santa Catarina and Rio de Janeiro followed. Before this week, it was Sao Paulo's turn. After huge rainfall throughout Sunday night and Monday morning, the biggest city in the southern hemisphere was brought to a near standstill with widespread flooding. Not to mention 2019, when Rio and Salvador also had to deal with severe floods. In all cases, authorities singled out the same culprit for the damage. Quote, a typical extreme rainfall, end quote. It certainly did rain a lot, so saying it is extreme is certainly justified. But we can no longer call these events atypical. They are becoming the new normal in Brazil. This week we discussed the challenges to be imposed on Brazil by these new climate conditions and what the country is doing or not doing to prepare itself. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. Intense rainfall has driven Brazil's two wealthiest states into chaos. In Minas Gerais, floods and landslides killed at least 59 people, displaced other 53,000, and led over 100 cities to declare a state of emergency. Then, in Sao Paulo, the country's industrial heart was stopped dead after two of its main rivers burst their banks and flooded important highways. Shops and factories were closed, as people simply weren't able to go to work, causing losses estimated at over 110 million reais, or 25 million US dollars, for one day. Even we at the Brazilian Report decided to take a day working from home office due to the heavy rain. What's doing all this is poor urban planning. This is Claudio Angelo, coordinator of the Brazilian Climate Observatory. Now, on top of that, you must add the effects of climate change. Climate change uh, is ma has been making those extreme events more extreme. So if you take Sao Paulo, for instance, uh, even though the total amount of precipitation in Sao Paulo hasn't changed quite a lot over the last decades, if you look at the distribution of rains in Sao Paulo, the, the rainy period is getting shorter and those, you know, the heaviest rains are getting heavier because, well, it all boils down to uh, the amount of energy you have in the atmosphere the extra energy you have in the atmosphere. Brazil has heated by one degree Celsius since the 1960s. That's more or less what the whole world has heated in more than 100 years. So in a sense, Brazil is warming faster than the global average. So we are talking about how climate change is making weather more extreme in Brazil. And in the southeast region alone, there have been over 1,300 records of extreme rainfall since 2015. But like you said, there is a problem that comes first. 
which is how Brazilian cities have been built. Places like São Paulo or Belo Horizonte have most of their rivers been channeled into underground pipes. In São Paulo alone, we have around 400 rivers channeled uh, through pipes, and that diminishes the soil's capacity to absorb water in case of extreme rainfall. But how can we change that? I mean, that would require completely reformulating the cities, right? You know, Brazil is a tropical country, and uh, rivers like the Tietê in São Paulo and the Pinheiros are tropical country, uh, tropical forest rivers. So they have those natural pulses of flood uh, that just happened. And what happened in São Paulo and also in Belo Horizonte is that uh, the cities and people occupied the natural repairing zones uh, and, and you know they, they deprived so to speak the rivers of their natural pulse of course nobody told Chiete not to flood anymore right they, they forgot to uh, to to uh, tell the river not to do that and the river is behaving exactly as it should be in a tropical forest river what I think is missing in the response of uh, city authorities and the federal government in Brazil is the acknowledgement that we're not in a normal climate anymore. The climate has changed and officials in Brazil are still very slow to, to acknowledge that. And so if urban planning was already insufficient in the past, now that we are entering, you know, this uncharted climate territory, uh, adaptation measures are one thing that definitely should be more in the radar of those uh, mayors and, and city councillors and, and the federal government. So, Claudio, a study published by scientific journal Nature projected that areas where 1.4 million people live right now will begin to suffer constantly with floods, while other areas where another 1 million people live could be permanently submerged as sea levels continue to rise. Can we prevent that from happening? It's, it's already happening, uh, in a sense. When you... When you Think about, you know, when you look at the IPCC report, uh, the Intergovernmental Panel on, uh, Panel on Climate Change, you see those uh, records of sea level rise about 20 centimeters in the last century. And you think about what may happen in, in the coming decades towards the end of the century, something between, you know, 50 centimeters to one meter. You may think, huh. I don't think that's a big problem, right? It's a couple of couple dozen centimeters. Uh, that's not going to make a, a whole lot of difference. Uh, well, only it will because when you talk about sea level, it's not only the height of the water column uh, that we're talking about and, and the amount of beach that's going to get you know, swallowed by the sea. You have to think about storm surges and high tides. And particularly when you have a combination of a storm surge 
and a high tide. That's been happening in Santos. Santos is, of course, home to Brazil's busiest port. Santos is getting flooded uh, more often, parts of the city. Uh, Santos has determined that uh, you can't have any more power generators uh, installed in subterranean parking lots. So that's one very clear signal of uh, an adaptation measure to something that's already happening. The kind of flood that would usually happen, you know, every 100 years or 500 years starts happening every decade, every five years. So at the end of some time, you have, uh, uh, you just give up, you know, having stuff and people in those areas and you just abandon those areas. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. But uh, it's definitely something that's already happening. And, and as those storm surges become more frequent and more damaging, uh, people may end up uh, just abandoning uh, those cities. According to several reports, climate change is set to create the world's biggest migration crisis in centuries. And Brazil has seen that throughout the 20th century, with people fleeing droughts in the Northeast region. Is this something we will see again in the near future? You know, we're just out of the longest drought in the history of uh, the Northeast. Uh, it was a, a drought that began uh, around 2011 and, and really only ended in, in 2018, around 2018. So uh, it's going to get worse and, and all the models point to to a worsening of dry conditions in the northeast and uh, the the recent uh, IPCC report on global warming of 1.5 degrees uh, says that uh, it makes a whole lot of difference to the northeast of Brazil if you limit global warming to 1.5 degrees than if you allow it to reach 2 degrees, which is the, you know, the, the least ambitious goal of the Paris Climate Change Agreement. Uh, I don't think any country in the world is prepared for um, this massive displacement of people that uh, is already happening very slowly due to climate change. Uh, if, the, if you think about, uh, if you look at Europe and you think about the impact that just one million uh, Syrian refugees had on Europe and, and, and on politics in Europe, you can have a taste of the impact of millions to tens of millions and according to, to some very uh, catastrophist prediction, uh, hundreds of millions of climate refugees. There was a study called uh, Brazil 2040 uh, done by the government uh, a few years ago. It has estimated, this study has estimated that only in Rio and only in Rio state uh, costs you know, damages to, to real estate. Uh, by mid-century, we may see 124 billion reais in damages 
because of sea level rise. After the break, what Brazil can and is doing to mitigate the impact of climate change. We'll be right back. You may have seen in the news that Jeff Bezos, simply the world's richest man, was hacked. That shows you that nobody and no company is totally immune from cyber criminals. But with FastHelp, you can protect your company's virtual space. FastHelp is a Brasilia-based IT company that offers the best tools against hacking and data breaches. Go to fasthelp.com.br for more information. Fasthelp.com.br. Ivan Marshall, hello. Hi, Gustavo. Ivan, uh, what is the National Climate Change Adaptation Plan? Well, this is a comprehensive action plan that was originally drawn up by the Ministries of the Environment and of Science, Technology and Innovation. And it had the main goal of reducing Brazil's vulnerability to climate change and also introducing programs to manage environmental risks. And so this kind of like adaptation plan it has been a demand of the United Nations Convention on Climate Change for some time now. And this was Brazil's attempt. So, you know, after four years of public consultations and debates with civil society, the plan was finally launched in May of 2016. And interestingly enough, it was one of the last acts of Dilma Rousseff as Brazilian president. You don't say. Yeah, so it was published on the Federal Register on the morning of May 11th, 2016. And at 7am the following day, the Senate had accepted articles of impeachment against Dilma and she was suspended from office. Of course, she was convicted in the Senate trial and never went back to being president. Yeah, so, well, anyway, in broad terms, the adaptation plan aims at three main objectives. You have expanding the spread of scientific knowledge about climate change. Then there's encouraging cooperation between government agencies to help fight climate change. And finally, coming up with measures to reduce risks associated with climate change. And this third part is what makes up the meat of the plan, right? Yes, so this third part basically includes a whole load of initiatives across different areas, uh, such as carrying out studies to map the risks of climate change on vulnerable communities, and that might include indigenous lands, also studies on biodiversity and agriculture. There's also a call to expand the coverage of the National Water Quality Programme, And there's the creation of the so-called Centres of Climate Intelligence, which are essentially these kind of committees of experts that will have a say in creating public policies across a wide range of sectors. And the plan was that all of this would be completed in the space of just four years. It has been nearly four years now. So how has the plan fared so far? Uh, well, not too well. Because at the end of last year, the Senate's Environment Committee, they set about evaluating the kind of the progress of this adaptation plan. And their conclusion was that Brazil's climate policy is going through what they call a moment of rupture. And many of the departments that are involved with carrying out this plan have either been gutted or done away with altogether. And, you know, prospects are not good for the near future either because there's question marks hanging over where the money is going to come from to continue this plan because it was heavily reliant on the much-discussed Amazon fund. 
that same Amazon fund that the federal government essentially killed last year. Yeah, exactly. And the Amazon fund was seen as one of the main sources of financing for these adaptation measures. And ever since the government has suspended the fund, no agreements have been made with Norway and Germany, who were the main benefactors of the fund, and the money just simply isn't there anymore. And one curious thing is that the government is trying to cater to uh, landowners and try to defend their interests. But in the long run, these people will also be hurt by the effects of climate change because rain seasons will be more unstable. And for producers, this will be horrible. I mean, we are already seeing uh, crops being hurt in several regions because producers just can't rely on weather patterns anymore the way they did 20, 30 years ago, right? Yeah, that's true. Because also, if you look at that adaptation plan, there are a bunch of measures in there specifically to help the adaptation of agriculture to climate change. So yeah, they're perhaps shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. And what about the scientific community? What are they doing to combat climate change in Brazil? Well, there have been plenty of proposals and ideas, but the problem remains the same. It's basically a lack of funding because, for example, you have Brazil's Institute of Geography and Statistics. What they're trying to do is implement the United Nations Global Geodetic Reference Frame. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Yeah, exactly. It's just a fancy name for a worldwide global positioning system that will greatly help with the monitoring of climate change and also of early warnings of natural disasters. But the government isn't providing the financial help that the agency needs. And without action, we know what's going to happen, right? This process is just going to repeat itself. Yeah, it certainly seems that way, because judging by its actions and its statements, the current government just doesn't seem to see climate change as a priority. And unfortunately, that means we'll probably be back here on the podcast at the beginning of 2021, lamenting yet another tragic rainy season in Brazil. This podcast was written by me, Gustavo Ribeiro, alongside Ewan Marshall, who also edits the final script. Laura Kihan produced this show, and sound engineering was by yours truly. If you like this podcast, rate us on any platform you may be listening to Explaining Brazil. It is really important for us because it helps other people to find out about our show. But the best way to support Explaining Brazil is to subscribe to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. Every day we have new content about Brazilian politics, finance, society. We also got exclusive newsletter services if you want to be briefed about what's going on in Brazil before starting your day. Subscribe now for a free trial and take a look at our content for seven days. It is really free. You don't have to submit any credit card information. Just go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is at Brazilian Report. That's all for now. See you next week. Music